Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped with the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. In this week's teaching, Pastor Dave is going to walk us through five practical, God-given steps that will help us to overcome our fears of inadequacy. And now, for this week's message. Well, we are having a great time with our life groups, with this series that a lot of churches have run that came out of a church in the U.S., pastor by Craig Rochelle. And if you were in our sessions this past week, you knew that we were talking about overcoming feelings of inadequacy. And we all feel that at one time or another in our life. And that was the session that we had. So today, or today we're going to just go back over some of that, add some more stuff to that, and we're going to look at the fellow by the name of Gideon. How many here have heard of Gideon sometime in your life? He is a pretty well-known character in the Bible. We're going to talk about him tonight, this guy named Gideon. Gideon is in a bit of a rut in his life. And if you've ever been in a rut in your life, God has a way of helping you out of your rut. It took seven years kind of get into this rut, and God brings him out of it. His rut is really his, in his identity. He doesn't feel confident. He's doing some things well, but in other areas he feels very inadequate, and the Lord helps him out of that. I would call this a lane change. Sometimes you need to make a lane change in life. When you're driving cars, you make lane changes. And uh, when my dad taught me how to drive, he taught me how to make a lane change. And to make a lane change when you're driving, you have to, one, you have to want to make a lane change. You know, sometimes we change lanes because we want to get off the highway. Sometimes we make a lane change because there's an obstacle ahead of us, maybe an accident, or maybe we need a lane change because we're kind of stuck in traffic. We can't see who's ahead of us, and we make these lane changes. And what happened to Gideon is he made a lane change from being inadequate, feeling inadequate, to moving over to doing what God had him to do. And we want to talk about that today. So let's get right into our notes. And if you're having the notes open there, if you've got your hand out, the first point we want to make is in order to make a spiritual lane change, you need to recognize the need to make a change. And that's first and foremost. Gideon didn't even recognize that he really needed to make a change because for seven years they had been oppressed by what was called the Midianites. They had been doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and as a result of it, God allowed the Midianites to come in. They were their neighbors, and uh, they came in in hordes, it said, with their camels and their herds. And they would, after they had the harvest all ready to go, they'd come in and they'd wipe it all out, and they'd take their animals as well. As a result, the whole nation is impoverished, and Gideon's living in that. And after seven years of this, they kind of have an aha moment and think, we need to do something about this, and they begin to cry out to God. And Gideon is one of those who's been praying and crying out to God. So we pick up the verses here, Judges chapter 6, verse 1, and also verse 6. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. That's an important point to remember. They're starving. They're, they're, they're lacking food, animals, all the rest of it. That's going to be important as we go along. And they were starving. And then it says the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. The series we're in will cover, one, this feeling of inadequacy. But there's other things that we can get in a rut on that we need a lane change on. We can have the need for control. We could have another one we're going to do is the right to be offended. We live in a world, I have a right to be offended. And then the last one you're really going to enjoy in our small groups is the longing for approval. They're all things that we deal with. 
This week, we're going to be dealing with, in our small groups, this need for control. And if you're not in a life group yet, I encourage you to get into a life group. Tuesday nights, they're here for young adults. Thursday nights, anybody can come here if you don't have a life group. And if you're looking for one, you can see Pastor James after the service, guest service desk, but make sure you find a life group. Here's a little clip. I want to give you a taster, a teaser for this week when we're going to be talking about the need for control. Then we're going to come back to the story of Gideon. So here's Greg Rochelle. He's going to give you a little taste of what's to come in life group this week on this need for control. I don't care about the kitchen. Whatever you say goes. But when it comes to the remote control, there is only one person in our house ordained by God to handle this very important piece of spiritual machinery, and that is yours truly, the divine remote controller of the universe. Because every man knows it's not so much about what's on as what else might be on. And so we can sincerely watch 12 to 14 different shows at one time. Amen. It is a God-given gift to those who are chosen, you know. And so it's interesting how we really do get riled up about some things, and then in other areas we don't. And if we look at our lives, we'll find that we typically will try to control two broad categories of things. Most of us, we try to control people, or we try to control circumstances. We try to control people. There may be someone in your life where there's one or two things about them that you just don't like. Uh, There's the saying that God loves people and has a wonderful plan for their lives. In this area, you're like God. You love people and have a wonderful plan for their lives. You want to help them see what you see and get them to do what you want them to do. And so you will manipulate You will bribe, you will offer rewards, or you will withhold rewards. You'll use passive-aggressive behavior. You might even threaten. Without even knowing it, so often, we will try to manipulate the behavior of others because we really believe we know what's best, and we want to control those around us. It may be your co-workers. It may be those who work for you. It may be your children. It may be your spouse, but we want to be in control. We also will try to control the circumstances, okay? We want to look just right. We want our houses to be just perfect. We want our kids, when they go out in public, to be the perfect representation of us in every single way. We want to control our schedules and the future and the schedules of the people that we love. We want to control what other people think of us. We want to control people and we want to control circumstances. And why do we want to be in control? Because our ego is out of control. There you go. So that's just a taste for this coming uh, life group sessions. And uh, you might be thinking, oh, man, maybe there's something I need to work on there in my life. And uh, there's something I need to be changing. For seven years, they were oppressed by the Midianites. And then all of a sudden, God gets a hold of Gideon. And he's kind of awakened to this understanding that I don't know if I feel so adequate. And uh, you may be here and say, oh, maybe I am a bit of a 
controller. This just might be for me. And so if you're not, again, in a life group, I encourage you to find your way to one. And again, if there's not one, Tuesday night, young adults, Thursday night, there's a place for you right here at the church. It's very organic. Sometimes it takes a while to find the right group, but stay with us. And uh, it's so important to have those relationships. So in making the changes, one, you have to see that there's a need to change. Up to this point, Gideon didn't see the need. Now God comes along, speaks to him. Oh, boy, I need to make some changes. So that's the first thing to make a change. Secondly, you have to stop making excuses. God had to bring Gideon to the place where he stopped making excuses. And if you're driving and you want to make a change in the lane, sooner or later, you got to make that change. You can't make excuses because if you make excuses, you're never going to make a lane change. You go, no, there's something about making a decisive choice and making a change. And so he was making excuses. As a result of it, God had to deal with him. There's a verse down there in your notes, Judges 6, 13 and 15. Gideon said to him, said to the Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So he's, he's complaining here a bit like we heard about the miracles where are miracles. And then he says to the Lord, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Can you pick up and get in a sense of inadequacy? God, you have got the wrong person. I am not adequate. You're looking for a really, really strong political leader and a general, an army leader, to take on the hordes of the Midianites I think you got the wrong person. I'm feeling really inadequate because I come from the smallest tribe, the lowliest tribe, and I'm the lowliest of the tribe. And uh, God had to deal with him on that. We'll talk about how he did that. To digress a bit, there was a blog that came out by a gal named Angela Hagebush. She has a good little website. And she wrote in there something I think we can relate to. She was talking about her life. She's a, a mom. She has... Uh, ministry. She works at a, in a children's church in, in Renton, Washington, and uh, she wrote this in her blog. I know this stems from some big changes that have taken place over the last six months regarding my dad's situation, but I tell you what, it feels as if the devil has found a weak spot and he keeps pushing it, feeling like I'm not a good enough wife or mom. I'm letting my friends down. I make a ton of mistakes when it comes to providing the right care for my dad. I'm not a strong enough leader for my team at church. I want to give certain things up because I'm not as good as this as someone else. Are any of these striking a chord with you, she writes. I tell you what, I'm so dang tired of feeling inadequate. Tired of feeling like I'm not good enough, can't keep up, can't measure up. Because honestly, I know better. Here's what I know about me. I'm far from perfect and everything I can do, someone else can do better. But for some crazy reason, God's chosen me to be DJ's wife and mama to our three amazing kids. He's blessed me with great friends, a dad who loves me, a ministry I'm proud to be a part of, and a story he wants me to share. I've got to believe he knew exactly what he was doing when he put together that story. And when I read that, I thought, man, that describes a lot of us. I, I feel so inadequate to do what God's called me to do. But despite all that... God has given me a part in the story. And Gideon felt really inadequate. He said, I, you know what, God, you, I, I don't think I'm your first choice. I think there's somebody better. And God just has a way of writing us into his plan. And you feel like, God, I don't even qualify for this. 
God seems to pick ordinary people and do extraordinary things with them. And he chose Gideon. Gideon, as we learned this past week in our lesson, he had feelings of inadequacy. And feelings of inadequacy come from three things, typically. Unfair criticism. This can happen in your childhood where if you've been criticized, maybe you had a very negative uh, authority figure, a coach, a teacher. It can come from a sibling, a parent. But criticism will do that to you. It can happen in the workplace where these feelings of inadequacy get a hold of you. You see, there is something great on the inside of us. There is something in Gideon. There's something in all of us. But that feeling of inadequacy can just hold us in the rut of life, and we don't make a change. We don't change out of that into a better lane, the lane that has our purpose. Unrealistic compliments. If you missed that one, I think he really nailed it this past week in that lesson because Pastor Greg talks about, you know, we live in a world today where you graduate from preschool, you graduate from kindergarten, you graduate from junior high, you graduate from... He said, I had one graduation, that was high school. And uh, I know when I was growing up, we went to the track and field meet. There was a first place ribbon, a second place ribbon, and a third place ribbon. Now everybody gets a ribbon and everybody's a winner. And he said, sometimes we have this unrealistic... um, unrealistic compliment that it's, it's not really true. And we, we set ourselves up for failure if we do that. So he, he, he nailed that in our lesson. And then the third one was unwise comparison. This is where Gideon was at. He was comparing himself and his family to the others. And so God has to help him on the unwise comparison thing. You know, it reminds me of a little ad that I saw from an Audi company, they, or their, one of their cars, and it was entitled, We All Look Up to Someone. And we, we end up look at someone, we compare ourselves to them, and we think, oh, man, I'm, I could never do that. They could do it, I could never do it. That was Gideon. He was looking at others. They could do it, but I could never do it. And uh, just to drive home the point of comparison, I want to show you a little 46-second commercial, and then we'll get into the next point. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his mettle, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows And the boy who shoots the arrows If I only had a heart I'm not plugging Audi cars by any means, but you get the point in that the little robot feels, oh, look at me compared to that one. And you live a life of comparing yourself to others. You'll never rise up to be all that God's called you to be. And so, again, to get out of this rut of a feeling of inadequacy, one, you have to recognize I am in that rut. And then you have to stop making excuses. And then thirdly, what we need to do is have a vision for a better future. Again, if I'm changing lanes in the car, I drive out, I have to see what's down the road. If, I, if I'm driving a vehicle and just looking at the car in front of me and my dashboard, I'm likely not to make a lane change. But if you're making a lane change, you're looking down the road, you're saying, what's up ahead? When's a good time? When do I merge over? And you're thinking about that. Likewise, making a spiritual lane change, there has to be a vision for what's to come. And God comes along and he gives Gideon a vision of living free from oppression from the Midianites. How good is that? 
And he would have never got out of that rut if he didn't see, with God's help, I could get out of this. And when we're living in a rut, whether it be feeling inadequate, a need for control, needing approval of others, we have to be awakened to that, first of all. And then... There also comes a time where you go, okay, I see something ahead of me that's better, that motivates us to make the change. And God did this for Gideon. Judges 6, 12 and 16, it's there in your notes. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He didn't feel so mighty yet, but he's called a mighty man of valor. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So to overcome his inadequacy, he had to understand God's view of him was different than his view. Now, it's interesting the way he found Gideon. What was Gideon doing? Gideon was thrashing wheat in the wine press. Normally, you would thrash wheat out in the open because then the wind would come along and blow away the chaff. But he's in the wine press and he's thrashing the wheat. If you read the account of this carefully, we kind of I think Gideon gets a bad rap. And because he's, oh, you know, Gideon was hiding in the wine press. Actually, if you read it, it was not he that was hiding in the wine press, he was hiding his wheat in the wine press. So that sounds like a smart move to me. The guy's got servants, he's a worker, he's taking a risk, and he's instead of hiding in a cave somewhere, he's risking his life, getting the harvest. Somehow he's winnowing it in the wine press, hiding it so he's got something for his family and his workers. We know he's got servants. We know he's a leader. He's not afraid to work. He's in there doing it. The point I'm making is God shows up and helps people and calls people that are working. If you look at Peter, Peter was working when God called him. If you look at Matthew, Matthew was working for the tax department, collecting tax when God called him. If you look at Elisha, Elisha was a farmer working in the field, and God called him. If you look at the shepherds, they were taking care of the sheep, and God called them. God looks for working people. He looks for people that are ready to do something. So even though he felt inadequate to take on this job as general and and head of a judge for the land... He felt inadequate to do that. God saw something in him that he was not afraid to work. There's just something about, yes, I'm not afraid to do this. He already showed some boldness. And God said to him, go in the strength you have. God needs something to work with. And the fact that he was out there, he was working, he was doing something, God says, I can use that. And sometimes you look around and you say, oh, God, could you use me? Well, the first thing we need to do is to be busy, busy working. God finds us working, and then he multiplies what we have. And I think he delights in taking ordinary people. I think he delights in taking people that others might pass over. Why? Because that way, God can get all the glory for it. And if you know the rest of the story of Gideon, he goes out to fight this army. He's got 30,000 men. Not enough but it's 30,000, and God says, you got way too many men. Trim it down to 10,000. And then he says, no, no, trim it down to 300. So he takes on this massive army with 300 people. Why? So God can get the glory for what happens through him. See, when we surrender what we have to God and say, God, I'll give you what I have for you to flow through me, wow, 
we can overcome our inadequacies because now our strength is built on someone far greater than we are, and that is the power of God living in us. Do you remember the verse we memorized earlier this year, Ephesians 3.20? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, come on church, help me, abundantly, above all we could ask or think, what? According to the power that's in us. And there, there is a power in us that can help us get out of the ruts of life, go on to accomplish what God has for us. Number four, you have to decide whether you're ready to act. Changing lanes is a choice, choice based on the awareness of your surrounding and knowing where you're going to go. And he decides to act. There's windows of opportunities for your life. And when you're driving down the freeway, there's windows where you can make a change. There's windows where you can make a lane change. And you have to decide. You have to be aware. You can't be. When you're making a lane change, it's some of the most alert time of your driving. You you may turn the stereo down. If I'm driving in freeway and i got the family with me and I'm thinking of L.A. or other busy cities, I'll say, okay, be quiet. I just got to focus right now because our, our, we have an exit coming up, an exit ramp, and I got to change three lanes to get over there. Have you ever been there? And, and you're just so focused because you, you know where you're going, but you have to make that right decision. And there are times in our life where God calls us. He says, okay, you're ready. I need you. Go. God calls us. He has a purpose for our life. If you missed our series that we did in August on purpose, I encourage you to go back to that series and review it. God wrote you into a story. You are designed. You you have a purpose right now. God created all the stars, all the planets, all the animals, but you and I are his crowning creation. As much as the moon had a purpose, as much as every butterfly has a purpose, far more do you have a purpose. And at this moment, In history, right now, you have a purpose just like Gideon had a purpose. And some of us, we're like, God, I I don't think I can do this. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right family connections. I don't have the right citizenship. I'm not the right gender. I'm not this. I'm not that. And God says, come on. I call you a mighty man of valor. He called Peter a rock instead of a reed. He speaks life over us. God champions us. He's a, he's a dad who believes in us. And he helps us overcome those feelings of inadequacy. But we must make a decision to act. And Gideon makes a bold decision. Wow, is he bold. You know what God tells him to do? Now, this is going to surprise you. Remember, there's a famine in the land, right? And God says to him, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. Gideon, go and get your dad's bull, seven-year-old bull. Kill the bull, cut down the Baal god, wooden god, cut it down, and where you've cut it down on that place, on that rock, build a new altar and sacrifice the bull. Folks, that's one real bold move. Why? Number one, there's a famine. There's not a lot of cows around, and this ain't a cow. It's not a steer. It's not a ever. This is the bull. Growing up on a farm, we had 100 cows, and we'd have two bulls. You could get rid of a cow, but you don't want to get rid of your bull. You pick that bull very carefully because that's what uh, will produce the whole herd. The breed will come under that bull. And he says, get the bull and sacrifice the bull. And then he says, put that sacrifice, that on the very rock where you tore down that false god. 
That rock in the Hebrew means fortified place or stronghold. You know, the devil has strongholds in our life. The devil has strongholds in the city. And God says, pull it down. And where you've pulled it down, build an altar for me. That altar will be a sacrifice. There's something called the sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship. The first thing he has, Gideon do, to overcome his inadequacy is to worship. One of the first things we can do to overcome our inadequacies for the challenge ahead of us is to worship. It pulls down the strongholds of the enemy. There's something about pulling down strongholds Fortify places and building a presence of God. And at that place, this is significant because it's the first mention in the Bible. At that place, God's, he, Gideon says, this place shall be called the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. At that place, God introduces his name, Jehovah Shalom. Why is that so important? Because he's going into battle. He could have said, this is the Lord Warrior or something else going into battle. But what do you need in the battles of life more than anything else? Peace. Man, if you've got peace in your head, you can win your battle. Think about it in sports, if you're in a sports tournament. And if you've got clarity of mind, you've got an upper hand. But if you're all knotted up and confused and and worried, you're at a disadvantage. If somebody trash talks you, this is enemy strategy, Remember, Goliath trash-talked David. God tried to get into his head. The enemy tries to do that. But if you have peace, because it's a stability that gives you security. And this, this is where he gives Gideon this name, Jehovah Shalom. You're in business. you got a deal to do. Or you're in a negotiation. And if you can walk in there with a peace and a confidence, you have the advantage. God gives him the advantage going into there. He gives him this great sense of peace. So when God says, here's what I want you to do, okay, I'll do it. Here's what I want you to do, I'll do it. He's got this amazing sense of peace on the inside of him. So he builds this altar where there was a stronghold of the enemy, and he lays down a new altar, sacrifices that bull, worship is a sacrifice, and he says, Jehovah Shalom. When you go into battles... When inadequacy tries to hold us back, that's a place to say, wait a minute, Jehovah Shalom is with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In my weakness, I am made strong. I will go in the strength that I have. If God be for me, who can be against me? This is the message of Gideon. Number five, draw on the power you need. When you're changing lanes, we do all those things that we mentioned We've looked ahead. We know it's time to act. But when my dad taught me when I was driving, and I would pull out to pass a car, you know what my dad say to me? Step on it, son. I was kind of timid. He said, no, no, put the pedal to the metal. you got to pass the car. And then, and then I was having fun. You know, we had a, we had a old LTD with a 390 in it. And uh, when you stepped on it, the four barrels kicked in and it went. And I had so much fun when dad said, put it down, son, we've got to pass this car. And uh, it was fun. You know, when you do a lane change, you need some power. When you're pulling out of inadequacies, you need some power. When you're pulling out of feeling like offended or you're pulling out of a ditch of, 
you know, approval, needing approval from others. You need a power from somewhere else to make that get out of a rut. And that power comes, one, from the moral support and prayer support of others. Again, church family, this is why life group is so important to be in that small group because you have the support of others. Come on, you can do it. Gideon took 10 others with him. He had a real big challenge. He didn't even do it at the daylight. He did it at nighttime because he was afraid of what the city would think. But to tear down his dad's false god, kill his bull, sacrifice it, was one real gutsy move. And he does it at night. But he gets some help. He has others. He has moral support to do it. And when you're overcoming inadequacies, we need the moral support and prayer support of others to do it. You might be applying for a job. You might be feeling very inadequate for that job. Maybe you have, uh, maybe you're believing to have children. You feel inadequate to have children or whatever it is. If you've got support around you, it's so much better. You'll draw power from that, having that support. Then secondly, we need wise counsel. A lot of verses we could give you for this, but just one, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, where it says, if the ax is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Did you catch that verse? Wisdom sharpens your axe. You don't have to work so hard. And uh, in life, we want to work smarter, not harder. And one of the ways to have more power is to get wisdom. We're not talking necessarily about knowledge. You can Google all the knowledge you want today. There's, a, there's lots of knowledge But knowledge hasn't solved the world's problems. It hasn't solved starvation. We still have it. It hasn't solved abuse, drug addiction, wars. We still have all of that. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. The Bible says get wisdom. This is the principal thing. You can receive wisdom from others. You can receive wisdom from wise counsel. You receive wisdom, of course, from God's word. You can receive wisdom from reading books, etc. But get wisdom. When you're dealing with getting out of a rut, a behavioral rut, especially you want to change it, read, get wisdom, learn, and say, God, I need your wisdom on this. Information will inform you. Wisdom will transform you. And we want to be transformed. We want to renew our mind to what God thinks about us. The most powerful Christian is a Christian who thinks what God thinks of them instead of listening to the lies of the enemy. Wise counsel, very important. The last one, most important, is God's strength. We get our power, we get our strength from him. This is where Gideon gets his power. God says, you are a mighty man of valor. Judges 6.14, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, and I'm not sending you. Then in verse 23 and 24, then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. You know, when God gives you an assignment, you go, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to die trying to do this. I'm going to wipe me out. And, and you just feel like I'm going to be overtaken. And God says, no, I'm going to go with you. You shall not die. You won't fail. Your strength is not enough. Go on what you have, but I'm going to add my strength to your strength. That goes back to that verse we shared in the summer, Isaiah chapter 40. Those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be tired. Walk and not become weary. We talked about the eagles. Eagles are flying. Have you ever watched an eagle fly? They soar. They don't just flap their wings crazy, right? They, you know, if you see a barn swallow, a barn swallow just flaps its wings super fast. 
But eagles soar. They soar on the thermal currents. And when we wait on the Lord, when we get strength from him, we soar on his strength. And we do things far greater we could ever do on our own. What Gideon did as a leader, as a politician, was far greater than he could ever done on his own. But he caught those currents, those, those strength currents from God that lifted him to do something far greater than he ever imagined he could do. He felt so inadequate. God shows up and says, I see something in you, Gideon. You're in that wine press thrashing wheat. You're doing something. You got some strength. I see something in you, Gideon. You're a mighty man of valor. I see something in you, Peter. You're not a reed. You're a rock. The friend's buddy said, are you sure you're saying that right, Jesus? I know, Peter. No, he's a rock. I see something in you, Elijah. I see something in you, Matthew. And he's saying to us today, I see something great on the inside of you. No longer feel inadequate. No, your strength comes from me. Our strength comes from the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Inadequacy is ultimately rooted in fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And this is how he helps Gideon. And the rest is history. Gideon goes on to be a judge of the land. He rules there for a number of years. Very influential. But God picked him. He responded. He overcame his inadequacies. You and I all feel inadequate. We all deal with it. But aren't you glad there's a God who believes in us? He's got a plan for us. And he'll give us strength as we follow by faith in what he's asked us to do. Your memory verse for the week, it's right there, 2 Peter 1, 3, end of your notes. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for the calling on our life. There is a divine power, a supernatural power that comes from within to do great exploits for our God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? I want to lead you in a simple prayer. You might be here today and you feel inadequate. Maybe you're feeling like, God, I don't know if I could do this. I have those feelings of inadequacy. I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I'm qualified. There's plans, there's dreams, there's ideas that I've had, but I'm sure that's for somebody else and not for me. If you've had those thoughts... God's coming to you tonight and saying, Oh, mighty woman of valor, oh, mighty man of valor, do not fear, I'll go with you. Let me take you out of that rut of feeling inadequate. Let me put you on a new lane, a new path for what I have for you. If I be for you, who could be against you? I began this work in you, and I'll complete the work that I have for you. Don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged. God has something amazing, amazing ahead of you. Thank you so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to living a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.